0: Well, good morning. morning. Do you have a busy week? Do you have another busy week ahead of you? How many of you, when someone asks you uh, what you've got going on this week, or if you can uh, gather for coffee or lunch or uh, hanging out, you instantly grab this thing out of your pocket and you have to check? You open up your calendar app and uh, you find out that, no, I can't even be here right now. There is a lot going on in our lives and we fill up our schedules and we live and work by appointments, right? We we schedule appointments in our culture. We schedule appointments for our haircuts. We schedule appointments for our oil changes. Uh, We schedule appointments or we don't schedule them for uh, inspection when our inspection sticker runs out. Please no one tell on me that today is November 1st and my inspection is due on my car, Especially if the sheriff shows up, uh-oh, there goes the ticket. We schedule our lives by appointments, don't we? We, we live by appointments. We schedule out uh, weeks and days and months and years in advance because we like to know uh, where and when we're supposed to be. And especially we like to know what our appointment entails. We like to have some details about an appointment uh, if my wife is scheduling something for our family, I like to know what's going to happen at that appointment. Is it just a doctor's checkup, or is it more invasive? We like to know all about the appointments, and this morning we're going to spend some time talking about specifically life's final appointment. It's an appointment that we don't know a lot about. It's an appointment that all of us are seeking with every ounce of energy we have to keep from having. It's the appointment of death. It's possibly the one most of humanity seeks to avoid every day. But the truth is, each one of us in this room will find ourselves on the fault line that is life's final appointment. And we really know very little about death, right? I mean, there's lots of theories about death. There's lots of conversation about death. There are lots of books about death. But it has been said that those who talk about death have never died. And those who have died aren't talking. Right? We write a lot about it. We talk a lot about it. But we really haven't experienced it. And because of this lack of information about this true fault line between life and death... This lack of information of exactly what dying experience is like, more than any of others uh, life's events, death causes us great anxiety. Maybe even in this room you have experienced already that heightened awareness that we're going to be talking about something that just doesn't seem right right? We all acknowledge that death is going to happen. We've all uh, been to funerals and memorial services. We all uh, understand that life has an expiration date. We've talked about that, but talking about death just doesn't come naturally. Uh, Maybe you've been in a hospital room or you've been at a funeral and uh, you have tried to console a person going through the grieving process. And maybe, like me, you found yourself in that moment where you're supposed to have the right thing to say to that other person. And the best you can mutter is, I'm sorry. The best we can come up with is, I know how you feel. Do we? Every one of life's fault lines. Uh, we, we've covered them all. We've talked about uh, life's crises, the ways in our life where we are ca- uh, caught off guard by a storm of life. We've talked about uh, the call of God upon humanity and all of his followers. We've talked about how that is a fault line. We've talked about uh, the conflicts last week of life. And let me tell you how many conversations I've had this week about the conflicts of life and how timely last week's message from Pastor Bob was. We talk about the, uh, the, the, the fault line of temptation and failure and even success and every one of these fault lines, we have to understand this factor uh, that a fault line, like, a, like an earthquake, we find ourselves on, uh, on the teetering opportunity of either uh, experiencing something negative or something positive, if God chooses to do so. And these fault lines have been so important for us to talk about over these last weeks, and we're, we're wrapping up this series. But if you don't get anything else from all of the messages, get the fact that no matter what life throws your way, you have an opportunity, we have an opportunity to respond to it in either a negative or a positive. And just as with every other of our fault lines that we've covered, the idea of dying exaggerates our condition. It it amplifies our response and our tendencies. The reality is that all of us will experience death in some form. Maybe someone close to us, or maybe we will go through ourselves that process of dying. It may not be instantaneous for us. And death will always either make us better or worse. But death does not allow us to remain the same. So if it's unfortunate that we can't Nail down the time and place of our death. How many of you would enjoy being able to put that in your calendar tonight? We we can't do that. So, as unfortunate as that is, if we can't put it in our calendar and uh, if we can't know exactly how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen or who is going to be there, maybe through God's word we can learn how to experience it with the right kind of attitude. And I think. We have biblical perspective, and I think we have uh, human perspective, even within our own experiences, of how uh, people respond to death, and I think there are only two specific options. I think all of our reactions uh, fall within two attitudes as we experience death, and those two are disappointment and delight. We're going to get to those a little more specific, but I want to look at a passage of Scripture. It's from Luke's gospel. It's the story of the two criminals crucified with Jesus. We focus a lot of attention around Good Friday about this story, and oftentimes the two criminals get glossed over, but right here we have two perspectives of experiencing the reality, the appointment with death in two very opposite ways. Luke chapter 23, verse 32 through 43 gives us the part of a story. Listen as I read. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they, were crucif- they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered, truly I tell you today, he will be with me in paradise. Would you bow your heads one more time with me? Lord, please add your blessing to the reading of your word and may this contrasting story strike a chord in each of our hearts. Maybe someone for the first time, maybe someone for the hundredth, but for all of us, may this reality of the fault line of death be so real today that we cannot leave this place unchanged. And fittingly, Lord, on this day that we pray for specifically the persecuted church across this world, would you help us in our seats this morning, in our situation, in our positions, in our freedom, would you instill in us the reality of death? Would you transform our minds and our hearts to being about kingdom things, Again, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I I think we find here in Luke's account of those who were crucified with Jesus a a perspective of the difference of mindset and attitude when it comes to the fault line of death. There's some similarities in these two criminals, right? Uh, Both of them were criminals. They were both sentenced to death for their crimes. Both of them... As the story continues, as the story gives us the account, both of them hear Jesus' response to those putting him to death. They hear His heart come through his words as he says, "Father, forgive them, for they do not what they're doing. They do not know what they are doing. Both are criminals. Both hear Jesus' response, and both will soon die. Both will soon expire. That's where the similarities end and the differences begin. Do you see in this account that one is desperate to live and the other is at peace? Do you see here that one is becoming less religious as he joins and throws the insults back to Jesus? The Greek for his phrasing is the same word we use for blaspheme. If one was becoming less religious, the other was becoming more religious, asking the other, don't you even fear God? Again, one had aligned himself with the crowd that was crucifying Jesus, saying, aren't you the Messiah? The same phrase being used by those hurling their insults towards the cross. And the other was aligning himself with Jesus, saying, this man has done nothing wrong. One was trying to avoid death at all costs, hoping to be saved from it. He's saying, save yourself if you are the Messiah and save us. And the other is hoping to be saved through death. As he says, remember me in your kingdom. One of the criminals is holding on. And one was letting go. One asked to be saved and was afterward forgotten. The other asked only to be remembered and was saved. Similarly, today, uh, there is a similar difference as humankind experiences death with either disappointment or delight. It's not politically correct to talk about life's final appointment with negative connotations. Uh, Many uh, believers within this uh, idea of experiencing death with a disappointment. Many unbelievers don't even uh, like to talk about the finality of death. They, uh, they talk in terms of, uh, of things such as, uh, I'm going to die and they're going to plant me in the ground and I will uh, become fertilizer for the cemetery. We talk in those kinds of terms within our culture. We hear uh, death talked about as a, uh, just a, a fact of life and death. There's no real concern within the world about what happens after death. Uh, Some even buy into that fatalistic attitude that says when your number is up, it's up. It's that idea of sitting at the the DMV, right? And when your card gets called, when your number comes up, it's time for you to go. And so we have that idea within our culture that says, hey, I know I'm going to die, and I know nothing's going to happen. It's just a part of this life. And friends, we might agree to a certain point with that attitude, but we should, as Christendom, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, loudly add that the important thing is to have a personal relationship with the one who calls the numbers. Amen? We must be the voice, we must be the mouthpiece, we must be the ones proclaiming to a culture that says, yeah, I know I'm going to die. We must As gospel-believing Christians, proclaim loudly the truth that the end is near for all of us and that there are only two options. So what's a result of facing death without a relationship with Jesus Christ? What's the disappointment response to the world? The first reminder is that a disappointing response Response to death results in eternal suffering. You've heard it preached. Contrary to popular pop culture lyrics, movie lines, attitudes, common conversation, hell is no party. The world is never going to tell us that, friends. The world will proclaim loud and clear that there is a party in hell. But let us not be mistaken to join in that joke. Let us take for real the reality of what the Bible says hell is like Look at John chapter 3, verse 36 about eternal suffering. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Does that sound like a party? Does that sound like a, a few of my buddies hanging out for all of eternity doing uh, whatever we did on earth? Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, In this fire. Does that sound like a party? Does that sound like a, an, an eternal Halloween party? <laughs> Does that sound like fun hanging out with buddies? This is the reality of what awaits those without relationship of Jesus Christ. Matthew 25, Jesus goes on and says, Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Eternal punishment. Does anybody else have a, a, a little brain crack when we talk about eternity? Something happens and, and you sever something in there that tries to figure out time and space and the continui, uh, continual uh, attitude of eternity. It just doesn't make sense to us, right? We live and die by schedules. We know 24 hours. We get uh, weirded out when we have to turn our clocks back an hour, right? But the truth is there is an eternal place And those who experience death with disappointment will continue to be disappointed. One more passage, Revelation chapter 20. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. It's not popular, to talk about the reality of hell. It's not comfortable to talk about the reality of hell. Uh, We've continued to try to gloss over some of those things that are uh, less than fun within Scripture for sake of making some people happy, not scaring some people away. Friends, we need a healthy perspective of what the reality is for those without Jesus. Not only is there eternal suffering associated with receiving death with disappointment, but there is an eternal separation from God. Uh, This is perhaps the most important aspect of this disappointing response to death. We already looked at the passage where the rich man was suffering in Hades. As he experienced separation from God, he wanted nothing more than to be uh, back in the presence of God, as Jesus tells the parable. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul writes this, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Undoubtedly, eternal separation from God is hell's most dreadful horror. So do we just stop? Do we stop with the reality of what is awaiting those without Jesus Christ? Do we harp on as evangelicals? Do we, do we just focus on, on the negative? Do we put it on our billboards? Do we put it on signposts? Do we parade that reality around that one voice of eternal separation and eternal suffering? Or do we face that reality? And do we fall to our knees in humble praise that that's not the only option? We are good news Christians, amen? We need to know the bad news in order for good news to be good news. But friends... We should experience the reality of that bad news with the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ, and we should stop allowing the good news to be good news in our homes. The good news, when it's convenient to celebrate it, when it's convenient to talk about it, we should experience not disappointment when it comes to death. We should be delighted about death. Aren't you thankful for good news? What is promised? What's the good news in Christ Jesus for those who experience death? Number one is free from the presence of sin. That's good news. Free from the presence of sin. Heaven is the polar opposite of hell. There are wonderful passages of Scripture that give us a perspective of things, just a a glimpse. Scripture even says a glimpse of things to come. One of the greatest blessings being the absence of sin. Nothing that might defile heaven's purity will ever enter heaven. Revelation 21, again, a perspective of things to come. John the Revelator gives us this perspective. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In heaven, believers will finally be free, not only from the power of sin and death, but over the very presence of it. In heaven, our sanctification will be complete. Our race will be completed. We have all these analogies in Scripture. Our holiness will be evident forever and ever. Free from the presence of sin. Can you imagine? No more temptation. No more bent. No more option of choosing the wrong way. Forever free. The second perspective of those of us who delight in the opportunity of this life being over and a new life being ours is that we will be forever in the presence of our Savior. Forever in the presence of our Savior. John's vision again. From Revelation chapter five. There's a lot that we don't understand, but there's some parts here that we Sing well. John writes, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which were the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp. They were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and, your, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked. heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they were saying worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power as we sang as kids, heaven is a wonderful place, filled with glory and grace. I'm going to see my Savior's face. We like talking about streets of gold and jet skiing on clouds. That's, it, it's in my top ten things that have to happen. Uh, we like to talk about the people we're going to see in heaven and the, the freedom from sin and the the freedom from death and guilt and darkness and hurts. But friends, maybe we need to rekindle the reality that for eternity we will be in the presence of the one who gave it all. I hope you've experienced true worship in the presence of Jesus. I hope you've experienced the The human feeling that comes when the Holy Spirit comes down upon us as a body of believers. I hope you've experienced in private and in corporate worship. That is just a glimpse of the reality of what awaits us in the presence of Almighty God and Jesus our Savior. Maybe that idea needs rekindled in your heart. Maybe that reality of, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus needs to again uh, come through in your life and you need to die again to the ways of this world. Maybe again you need to have it rekindled in your heart. What awaits those who have a relationship where you are bought and found in Christ Jesus and that reality needs to go back out. Maybe you know someone that needs to come to faith in Jesus Christ. You've been praying for them forever. Forever. Maybe you've tired of praying for them. Maybe their name has been on the top of your prayer list for a long time. Maybe their name has moved down in your prayer list and you don't get to it anymore. Maybe you've put someone into a category that says, I I just don't know if it's possible. The reality of what awaits every person who makes this appointment with death should be so striking to us that we have a renewed vigor, a renewed desire to share the truth of what we know through Scripture. The the truth is uh, that death is still hard for us to understand. Death still hurts. Death is still something that we uh, don 't want to run towards, but moving from a reality of responding to death from a, a disappointed attitude to a delighted attitude begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do we know everything about death? Anybody been there? we don't. Uh, There's still some uncertain things about death that uh, confuse us and cause us grief. and uh, Do we still hate losing a loved one from this earth? You betcha. But moving from an attitude that is disappointed to delighted can only happen when we know and when they know the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Some have said that experience a relationship, experiencing a relationship with Jesus Christ is as simple as ABC. If you don't have a personal method of leading someone else to Jesus Christ, would you consider stealing this one? It's as simple as ABC to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. A is admit We have to admit that we are sinners, that we need Christ as a Savior. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's some good news at the end of that verse if you continue on. All of us have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. That's what humanity needs to know. That evens the playing field. We all must admit that we are scum when it comes to God's holiness. We do not measure up. A, admit we are a sinner and we need a Savior. We cannot be saved without a Savior. B, is to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Believe. John 3.16, most of us have memorized that verse, but I want to read a couple more verses. John 3.16-18, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son admit believe and confess see is confess we must confess to the lord and admit to ourselves that we have responsibilities to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, Romans 10, 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For too long, we have simplified the ABCs of salvation to say, Say these words from a prayer and go about your daily business. The reality that we must confess our love to the Lord, our totality to the Lord, our surrender to his lordship means far more, friends, than posting something on Facebook, than showing up on church Sundays, than giving a portion of our tithe. than identifying as a political persuasion. Than wearing a name tag, or a bumper sticker, or the right clothes. To confess is much more than a vocal presentation. It is a lifestyle that goes counter culture. persecuted church gets it. We've heard stories of those in persecuted countries that are praying for us to experience a little bit more of what it means to be authentic in our faith. The conversations with my peers, my pastor peers, continues to revolve around this idea that people just aren't buying into the reality of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ uh, that a majority of people who come to church call uh, church they call their faithfulness to church if, if they come to church once a month they're sold out that's the definition of being sold out today once a month some of you need to step up your game <laughs> Admit, believe, confess. This morning, I don't know. I don't know who is here this morning who has not done so. I know there are some who have surrendered completely to the lordship of Jesus Christ, but maybe you need to commit again and ask the Holy Spirit to rekindle that fire that once burned bright inside of you. So I want to ask that we all bow our heads and close our eyes and not look around at those to our left and our right, but spend a moment And surrender again in your hearts, Christian, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's been a while since it's been real for you. Maybe like many within the church, you've been going through the motions and you've been living uh, day to day with a knowledge of who he is, but your lifestyle, the way you are outside of these doors or Christian conversations does not line up with who you say you are. Or maybe this morning, you haven't heard the simple gospel presentation in a way that makes sense to you. And maybe today, for the first time, you need to submit to the truth that we are all sinners. Maybe you need to understand that belief in Jesus Christ is what is required of us to inherit His eternal dwelling place and presence with Him. And maybe today you are ready to confess that Jesus is your Lord, whatever that looks like in your life. If this morning you want to surrender for the first time to Jesus, you want to admit Believe and confess that He is Lord. Would you be willing to let me know that by raising your hand and looking at me? Is there anyone here this morning? Praise the Lord. There are those in this room, friends, who are crossing from disappointment to delight in what awaits us in heaven. If you raised your hand this morning already, please talk to me or Pastor Bob. There's a whole journey ahead of you that we want to walk with you through. The second option this morning is if the Lord is doing a work in your heart, if you're a believer, you are bought with a price, the blood of Jesus Christ has been your mainstay, but this morning the Lord is doing something and reminding you of the fire which once burned bright but is now dimmed. And if God's doing something in your heart and you want to be prayed for by me, would you simply let me know by raising your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, thanks. Thank you, thank you. thank you. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for... are helping some move from disappointment to delight in this service. Thank you for the realities that are not the most exciting to talk about, but they are realities. Lord, I pray that these who for the first time this morning are saying that they have made a step to walk with you, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to walk that step with them. For those two, myself included, who find ourselves in the day to day, the mundane, living with the reality of salvation, but not being driven by it. Lord, would you do a work in our hearts? Would you reignite what you started? Would you find us faithful as we go through our day today? Would you help us as one of my sisters this week reminded me that we are different than this world? And would you help that difference to be catching? Challenge us every day, I pray. We praise you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. We'd love to greet you on your way out. If you raised your hand this morning and you need to talk further, please. The opportunity is yours to make the conversation happen. We would love to walk with you in your walk of faith. Amen.